Welcome to the Renaissance Christian Church Podcast. We're a church family with the mission of seeking God, serving others, and sharing the gospel. We're grateful that you have joined us as we study through the Bible, and we hope that it brings you encouragement and inspiration for your daily life. Here's Pastor Robert Fonseca. Well, this morning, turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 46 as we resume our studies in the book of Isaiah. And the title of this morning's message is Trusting God in the Midst of Uncertainty. Uh, Definitely, we are living in uncertain times. Uh, We are uncertain about when we're going to gather together again as a church uh, when we can leave our homes, when we could go out again and have dinner at a restaurant. Um, we're uncertain about many more things than that. And living in uncertainty can be a stressful and anxious time. It, it also causes us to doubt certain things and even bring a sense of fear um, as we don't know what's going to happen in the future. And, and nothing in the future is guaranteed. It was Benjamin Franklin who said, In this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. And neither of those two things do we look forward to very often, right? Nobody wants to die and definitely nobody wants to pay taxes. And so far, if you haven't paid them, you're off the hook as at the moment. So because of all that's going on, all the uncertainty in the world, um, But anyways, uh, today as we look at this morning's text, um, the nation of Israel was going through uncertain times. Uh, They were in the midst of judgment from God, and God was telling them that they were going to go through a time of captivity. If you remember, the uh, Babylonian Empire was going to come and take them captive, and so they were looking forward to their future going, this is going to happen, and and God said this is going to happen, but how are we going to get through it? Are we going to survive? And why would God do this? There was a lot of uncertainty going on. But yet, in the midst of this, God wanted to encourage His people that even in the, in this, even in the midst of uncertainty, He wanted them to trust Him through the process. Um, and He wanted to do this in three different ways. And He was telling them that uh, they needed to uh, trust him because uh, of what of who he is. They needed to remember who God was, and they also needed to remember what he had done for them, and they also needed to remember what he had said to them. So those are the three points that we're going to look at today as we go through this story. Again, God wanted to encourage his people to trust him in the midst of uncertainty by remembering who he is, by remembering what he has done and by remembering what he has said. So let's look at the story this morning and keeping those three things in mind and see how God uh, encourages his people to trust him in the midst of uncertainty. So uh, in Isaiah 46, we're going to read through verses 1 through 13, and I'm going to read a few verses and then explain it as we go along. And again, just for uh, the background of what's going on, the nation of Israel is, is being told that God is going to judge them by bringing the Babylonian Empire and taking Israel into captivity. But not only that, in this prophecy and in this section that we're going through, he's also telling the nation of Israel 
another in Babylon, there's going to be another empire who's going to overthrow Babylon. So just more uncertainty. So uncertainty on top of uncertainty. But again, in the midst of it, God is encouraging his people to trust him through all of it. So let's read uh, the first two verses. In these first two verses, God is going to point out to them that the idols or the gods of Babylon cannot be trusted uh, in in the sense of, hey, going through and search, like, don't trust them. They're not going to get you through it. They're not even going to get their own people through these uncertain times. And so that's what he's talking about here in verses 1 and 2. And so let's read that. He says this, Bel has bowed down. Nebo stoops over. Their images are consigned to the beasts and the cattle. The things that you carry are burdensome, a load for the weary beast. They they are stooped over. They have bowed down together. They could not rescue the burden, but have themselves gone into captivity. So here God is describing, and He mentions two idols in particular of of the Babel, of the Babylonians, Bel and Nebo, and these were gods that they worshipped. And so He's saying here is that there's these images that the people would carry out, carry around that represented Bel, Bel and Nebo. And he's saying they are carrying these things around and now they're going to carry them into captivity. And these gods cannot even save themselves, let alone save you. So don't look to them to save you because they're going into captivity themselves. And so that's what he's talking about here in verses 1 and 2. And a matter of fact, in verses 3 and 4, he's going to say now that you know what? God is going to be the one that's going to get them through this. That God is the one that is carrying them and sustaining them through this whole process. Uh, People may have been looking to these foreign idols and these foreign gods in their life to get them through these hard times. And he's saying, they aren't going to do it. And it's actually me who's going to get you through this hard time. And look what he says in verses 3 and 4. He says, Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, You who have have been born by me from birth and have been carried from the womb, even to your old age, I shall be the same. And even to your graying years, I shall bear you. I have done it. I shall carry you and I shall bear bear you and I shall deliver you. So God is telling them here that I'm the one that's sustaining you through all these things. They're like, if you, if you go back and look at it, Israel, even though you guys were worshiping false idols, uh, you know, over the course of the history of the nation of Israel, that's their problem. They continually fall away from God and look to idols or look to other things to bring them joy and happiness and salvation. And God is saying, hey, through all this, I'm the one that has been carrying you. You guys are in one sense carrying these other gods and holding these other gods up high and looking to them when I'm the one that's actually been holding you. I've been sustaining you from the time that you were born until even today. He says, even till the, your graying years, even till you grow old. He says, you're my people. I'm the one that's watching over you. I'm sustaining you. I'm carrying you. I'm the one who's delivering you. This is again is a stark contrast to verses 1 and 2 where you see the idols having to be carried away. Nobody carries God. God carries other God carries people. 
And so that's the contrast he's making in verses 1 and 2 to the nation of Israel, trying to get them to wake up. In a sense, if you think about think about your own life, what are the things in your life that you are carrying instead of God, so to speak? Things that you are holding up and looking to, to save you, to bring you joy, to bring you comfort over and against the Lord God. And even as you're doing that, God will be telling you, you know, I'm the one who gave you life. I'm the one that gives you all that you have. But you're carrying these other things in your life. And again, that's what he's saying to the nation of Israel. He wants them to listen. Listen to what he has to say. And so let's move to verses uh, 5 through 7, where God now is going to show them that there's a big chasm between himself and these idols that the people are worshiping. He's like, how can you even look to them instead of me? How can you compare me to them? You know, compare them in the sense that, hey, you choose them instead of me. Like, how can you put us on the same, you know, on the same shelf? Like, do I want God or do I want something else? And he's going to show them that there's a, there's a big chasm between the two and there's no comparison. So look at what he says in verse 5. He says, To whom would you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we should be alike? Again, it's not like there's two you know, similar choices here. That's what he's trying to say. That we're not even comparable. And he goes on to, to talk about the gods. Look at what he says. Those who lavish gold from the purse and weigh silver on the scale hire a goldsmith and he makes it into a god and they bow down. Indeed, they worship it. So he's talking about how are these gods made that these people look to. He says they take money into a goldsmith or gold or silver and then the goldsmith fashions it into an idol and then you guys take it and you go and worship it. You, he says you bow down and you worship this thing that was just created from what you had. And he goes on, look at verse 7. They lift it up, excuse me, they lift it upon the shoulder and carry it. They set it in its place and, sta- and it stands there. It does not move from its place. Though one may cry to it, it cannot answer. It cannot deliver him from his distress. So God's making this comparison between himself and these idols that people make. Again, he says, you guys take your silver and gold into the smith. They make it, this God, you take it, you bow down and worship it, you put it on a shelf and it doesn't move and you cry to it and it cannot deliver you. So again, he said, you created this, you bow down and worship, you carry it, you erect it, you pray to it and it doesn't save you. This is the antithesis of who God is. God's making that comparison. So the antithesis is this, that God is the creator of men. He's not created by man, but he creates men. Also, he's the sustainer of men. Men don't sustain him like they do with these false gods, but he sustains men. He's also the helper of men, and he's also the savior of men. So that's the comparison that he's making. These things can't save you. They can't help you. They didn't create you, and they didn't sustain you. As a matter of fact, you created them. So he's really trying to get Israel to pay attention to what they're putting their focus on, where they're putting their heart and their worship. And again, it's something for each and every one of us to think about in our own lives. 
What is taking the place of God in some sense? What have we made into our God that's keeping us away from God? Now I venture to say most of us are probably, all of us don't have an actual statue or an idol that we bow down and worship. Something that we've created into the image of our God. But there are things, and I'm sure you can think of them, that, that in an incense are things that we worship. You know, maybe it is our job that we worship, that all of our focus and all of our attention is on our job, and that takes us away from God. Maybe it's another person, another relationship that has become more important to us than God Himself. And that's, you know, the thing that we bow down and worship in one sense. Maybe it's even our own, our own selves. You know, we worship ourselves in one sense. You know, we, we put all of our energy and strength into making us ourselves, so, so to speak, into a better person whether it's through exercise or dieting or whatever the case may be, we're putting all of our hope and our strength in ourself, in our youth, in our vitality. And you could ask anybody that's older, including myself, that that will all fade away, that we can't trust in those things. You know, those things won't sustain us in uncertain times. We're finding out even now in our world today, even money itself, is not sustaining us. We could have all the money right now, but we can't even go out and spend it. Yeah. You know, if you try to order something online, it might not even come for a long time. But again, we might not have little statues that we bow down and worship, but there could be things in our hearts, in our lives, that we bow down and worship and put above God, whatever that may be, as harmless as that may seem. Has it taken the place of God in your life? And so here God is crying or calling out to Israel and telling them to listen to him. Saying, don't put these things on par with me. These things cannot save you. And now God is going to move into the, to the point, which will be our application later on, is how can Israel trust God in the midst of this? Again, God has allowed them to, or he's predicting that they're going to go into captivity and again, they might have a lot of questions and they might not understand why, even though they've been told over and over again what's going on, why it's going to happen. They might not have really listened to God. And so God is going to tell them, hey, this is how you know you can trust me. Look at what he says in verse 8. He says, remember this and be assured. Or like, take a stand. Remember this and be grounded. Grounded and rooted. Remember this, he says. Remember this and be assured. Recall, recall it to the mind, to mind, you transgressors. So he wants Israel to recall this, to remember this. And so what does he want them to remember? Look at verse 9. Remember the former things long past. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. The first thing that he wants them to remember is to remember what God has done for them in the past. Again, look what he says. Remember the former things long past. The nation of Israel has a great history recorded in Scripture of God constantly delivering them, constantly being for them. And so he wants his people to remember all those things that he's done for them in the past. He's demonstrated his faithfulness to them. He's always been there. He's always helped his people. He's always 
been fighting for them. And so he wants them to remember that it's so easy to forget all the good things that have happened to us when uncertainty comes or when we start to get scared, when we see something in front of us that we're not sure about. We forget about the past. And even in our own lives, we forget what God has done for us. So not only does God want, him, want Israel to remember what he has done, he also wants them to remember what he has said. Look at the end of verse 9, and then we'll read verses 10 and 11. At the end of verse 9, he says, I am God, and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things which have not been done, saying, My purpose will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my purpose from a far country, Truly I have spoken, truly I will bring it to pass. I have planned it, surely I will do it. So God is here telling Israel, remember what I've said. I've declared the end from the beginning, he says. He says, my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. God is saying, hey, I've planned this out. I'm going to carry it through. I'm going to carry it out, and I'm going to close it out. That's what God wants His people to remember. Not only have I done things in the past that will bring you encouragement and cause you to trust me, but also the things that I say. And the reason why the things that He says can be trusted is because what he says is going to happen, and he's proved it over and over again to them. Again, he says, I declare the end from the beginning. He says, my purpose, my purpose will be established, and I'm going to accomplish all my goodwill. And he's reminding them, remember all the things that I've done in the past? Just like that. If I say I'm going to do something, then I'm going to do it. Again, if he planned it out, he's going to carry it out, and he's going to close it out. And he gives them an example in verse 11. He says, calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my purpose from a faraway country. And so this is a prophecy about the future for the nation of Israel. He says, I'm going to call somebody from a faraway country, a foreign nation, and he's going to come out and carry my purpose. And he concludes it again by saying, truly I have spoken. Truly I will bring it to, pla to, to pass. I'm reminded of that character in The Mandalorian. If you haven't seen that, the Star Wars story, he says, I have spoken, meaning it's done. Whatever I said, that's it. And that's what God is saying here to the, to the nation of Israel. Remember what I have said. Remember what I have said. He says, I'm God. If I say it, it's going to happen. And so this, he's wanting Israel to remember so that they can trust him. If you remember uh, last week when we talked about the resurrection, God's word is very powerful. God uses it to remind his people of the things he says and the things that he's going to do. Do you remember when Mary was uh, before the angel at the empty tomb? And what did he tell her? He said, he is risen just like he said. Just like he said. God's words are powerful. God over and over demonstrates His deity by His prophetic word and by His prophetic work. That's what He's saying. I am God and there's no one like me because I declare the end from the beginning. God says things prophetically and because they come to pass, 
That proves his deity. That proves that he can be trusted. He is good on his word. God does not lie. And over and over again in Scripture, he proves it. And again, he's reminding the nation of Israel, remember what I have said, because I ultimately bring it to pass. And then he closes this section out, the prophet Isaiah, in verses 12 through 13, describing to them how he's going to ultimately save them through this uh, time of uncertainty. Look at verses 12 through 13. He says, listen to me, or listen to me, you stubborn-minded who are far from righteous. I bring, I bring near my righteousness, it is not far off, and my salvation will not delay, and I will grant salvation in Zion and my glory for Israel. Again, he says, listen to me, this is the second time in this section that Isaiah has said this in speaking for God. Again, listen to me, listen up, people. He calls them stubborn-minded because they refuse to listen. If you've, been, if you've been with us over the past couple of years as we've been going through Isaiah, this message has been said over and over and over and over and over again to the nation of Israel, but they refuse to listen. They're stubborn-minded. But despite that, God is still faithful to His covenant, to His covenant people. He says, you who are far from righteousness, you guys basically don't deserve what I am doing. But because of my covenant, he says, I'm going to bring my righteousness near. It is not far off. And that righteousness is his salvation. He says, my salvation will not delay. Despite the stubbornness of God's people and their refusal to listen, he is going to honor his covenant because he is righteous. He's going to act rightly because he's their God and he will deliver them over and over and over again and ultimately he's going to bring them salvation and he's going to grant them his glory he's going to honor them because of who he is because his covenant with his people not because they deserve it again they're they're far from righteous he says in verse 12 but because of who god is and because he's honored honors his word and honors his covenant. I'm your God, he promised in Exodus, and I'm going to save you. And throughout the history of the nation of Israel, God constantly and repeatedly does exactly that. And he ultimately, it kind of gives you a glimpse into the future, this section should, because doesn't God actually do that in the person of Jesus Christ? God brings himself near to his people in the flesh. Emmanuel God with us. We didn't deserve Him. We were far from righteous, but God in, uh, sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to the world in the, you know, God with us, God in the form of man. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, in Romans chapter 5, verse 19, you could turn there with me. Um, we have the where he talks about giving us his righteousness, exactly what Isaiah says here in Isaiah 46. Again, so in Romans 5.19, Scripture says this, in speaking of Jesus, he says, For as though one man's excuse me, for as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, and that one man, man was Adam. Through Adam, many people were made sinners. Even so, through the obedience of the one, meaning Jesus, 
the many will be made righteous. Again, God makes people righteous. We aren't righteous because of what we have done. It's because God has come near and given us His righteousness in the form of His Son and all that He has done. And we are made righteous. And ultimately, we are given God's glory. Just as He says here in Isaiah chapter 46, verses 12 and 13. I, specifically 13. I bring my righteousness and my salvation will not delay and I will grant salvation to Zion. God gives salvation to His people. And so, this message of encouragement to Israel, again, about remembering who God is, remembering what God has done, remembering what God has said, is the exact same encouragement that is available for you and for me today. In these uncertain times, how do we trust God? What is the, the formula, so to speak? It's exactly the same. The same that it was for the nation of Israel. The same it is for you and for me. And let's just cover those three things again as they relate to you and me. Again, these words of encouragement in the midst of uncertainty are this. Number one, remember who God is. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter what's going on in our world, we have to remember who's in control. We have to remember who planned it out, who carries it out, and who ultimately closes it out. We have to remember who God is. Remember that God is the creator. He is the sustainer. He is the helper. And He is the Savior. He is all those things. Again, no matter what is going on in our lives, no matter what is going on in this world, those things are always going to be true. Even though you might not see it, even though you might not feel it, even though you might not understand it, they still are true. And we have to remember who God is as we go through these uncertain times. Secondly, we have to remember what God has done. Again, it's so easy to forget the past when there's something right in front of us that's scaring us. We don't remember what God has done for us in the past. And just like He told the nation of Israel, remember the things from long ago. You and I have to remember what God has done, not only in the history of, of the church, but even for our, us today. And so I want to make three points in regards to this. We too need to remember the past. We need, we need to remember what God has done in the lives of the past saints in Scripture. Let me, let me take you to a verse that speaks to that, and that's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verse 6-12. And let's read that, because here uh, the Apostle Paul is reminding the church to remember the things that had happened in the past. For a purpose, and he's going to give them that purpose. And for our purposes, our purpose, it's going to be so that we can continue to trust God and be encouraged. Look at what he says, starting in verse six of 1 Corinthians chapter ten. He says this: Now these things happened, and he's talking about things that are recorded in the Old Testament. He said, "Now these things happened as examples for us, that we should not crave evil things as they also craved, and do not be idolaters." As some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. Nor let us act immorally as some of them did. And 20,000 fell in one day. 
nor let us try the Lord as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for for our instructions upon the upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. The whole point of this is Paul is like, remember all these things that happened in the past. There are examples for us, you know, both good and bad, not to follow in these in these same footsteps. So these, and my point for this is these things written in the scripture are examples for us. This is how we learn about what has God has what God has done in the past for past saints. So it's it's good to read scripture. Read those stories. Read what God used, has done in the past. And that will allow us to trust him again for our future in these uncertain times. Just as the Apostle Paul said, these things were written as examples to us, both good and for bad. A second thing that we can do in remembering what God has done is in the life of present saints. And I'm talking about the people that you that are in your life today, the people that are in the church. This is one reason why we need to stay to, we need to meet together as a church so that we can encourage one another. You know, I would encourage you right now uh, to ask the people that you're sitting next to after this sermon is over, what has God done in your life? Tell me about that so that I can be encouraged. For those of you, uh, the kids that are, are watching this, this morning, ask your parents sometime, what has God done for you? Let the stories from your parents or your grandparents, or those who have been believers for quite some time, encourage you in your life. Know how you can trust God. And know how God can deliver you from certain things in your life. Let that encourage you. And then finally, in regards to remembering what God has done, how about in your own life? Think in your own life the things that God has done for you. Especially those of you who have been Christians for a long time. It's great when you keep a journal about what God has done, a prayer journal, and seeing past prayers that God has answered whether it's salvations or, or getting you through a certain time in your life, that's one way to do it. But when you're uncertain about maybe what God is doing and you're not sure how God is going to deliver you, I would, I would encourage you to go back and think about what God has done in your own life. Don't forget about those things. Those things are powerful witnesses for yourself. So again, remember what God has done in the lives of the past saints the lives in the present saints in our church and in your own life. And thirdly and lastly, how do we find this same encouragement to trust God in the midst of uncertainty? Remember what God has said. So we remember who God is. We remember what God has done. Thirdly and lastly, we remember what God has said. Just like in Isaiah, as the prophet uh, said to them, remember what God has said to you. We need to remember what God has said to us. And where do we find what God has said to us? It's recorded in His Word. As much as we want to hear maybe a voice, you know, a verbal voice from God, He doesn't speak like that to us very often, I would say. I've never heard the voice of God. The only time I've heard the voice of God is when I'm, and I'm reading Scripture. You know, and sometimes we, as we read Scripture, we think that, especially in, in, in the Old Testament, that God was always speaking to His people. All the time, God was walking with them, sending prophets to them, constantly speaking to them, giving them direction. But that's not true. 
You know, I'm sure there were large gaps within these stories where there was silence. And they didn't have record, written scripture down like we do today, especially in the Old Testament. New Testament times, they had the Old Testament, but not everybody had one in their home. They couldn't just read God's Word. We are so blessed in the time that we live that each and every one of us has the written Word of God. God's voice can speak to us through the pages of Scripture. And so we need to remember what God said in His Word. In, in Psalm 119, one of the greatest psalms that, that I know of, just because it talks so much about God's Word, and I think in almost in every verse in Psalm 119, it talks about God's Word. Let me just read two in describing God's Word and what He has said. Uh, verse 89 and 90 of Psalm 119 says this, Forever, O Lord, Thy Word is settled in heaven, Thy faithfulness continues throughout all generations. Thou didst thou did establish the earth, and it stands. Again, going back to the very beginning, forever, O Lord, your word or thy word is settled in heaven. God has said it. Right? God has spoken, and it's settled. It is done. So whatever God has said, He is going to do, it's settled, it's done, it's going to happen. And we need to remember all those things that God has said. What has God said in His Word? There is hundreds upon thousands of things that God has said in His Word. And we are so blessed to have God's Word that we can go and discover it. And even in these uncertain times, we need to look back into God's Word and see what He says about our future. We know that God is always with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Even in the midst of uncertain times, we have those promises. And again, we need to remember who God is, remember what God has done, and remember what God has said. Because what He has said is settled in heaven. And those things will help us get through these uncertain times. Let's pray. Lord God, uh, once again we are so thankful for this time that we have together in Your Word. And, and I pray this morning, Lord God, that you would remind us of all these things as we go through these uncertain times in our life, not just today, but for the rest of our life. Because we are not pr- promised or guaranteed anything, as I said at the beginning, except death and taxes. But you know what, Lord, as I think of that, we are promised a few other things, that you will always be with us and that you will never leave us or forsake us. And so I pray that each and every one of us this morning, as we go through uncertain times, that we would remember who you are, that you are creator, the sustainer, the helper, and our savior. And we would remember all the things that you have done in the past things that you are doing now and the things that you have done in our own lives. And we will remember all the things that you have said in your word. And we would cling to these things and trust in you in these, again, in these uncertain times. So help us to do that, Lord God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us in today's study. If you'd like to know more about us or where you can attend one of our services, You can find information online at www.ren.church. That's R-E-N dot church. Thanks for listening.